Hey, it's Steve Roman, author of The Saga of Pandora's Wyback, and you'll continue listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night, or you'll make me very angry. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you've been guilty of witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Side by Saturday night. Wow, if you ever were all messed up, it is tonight. It's TalkCast 123, and it's light and dark Fay night here on Sci-Fi Saturday night. Deep in Area 51 at the sub-level 28 sleep clinic. Baku is here. I am the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight are the usual suspects in the Revere Time Vortex, a sirene of the soundboard, our pretty Princess Kriana. I will blast you with my musics and melt her brains. Cool. <laughs> From the stacks of her personal silence zone in the dank dungeon reading room, Banshee of the Books, Zombrarian. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well played. I'm awake, Mom. I'm going to school. <laughs> From the four color vault of comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, the brownie of the vault. He takes care of it. It's Illustrator X. Brought to you by Blade Runner 2 Electric Sheep Boogaloo. And his lovely ingenue, Bacchanalian. Oh my god, it is the dead redhead. I really am wrapped up in my Jack Skellington Snuggie, but it's okay because I didn't buy it. <laughs> and joining. <laughs> it's okay, Zombrarian. We like the routine. <laughs> and joining them in the Four Color Vault of Comics tonight, it's Barnabas the Zombie Cat. And, of course, from the Outpost Gallifrey Nymphomaniac Catch and Release Center at the Port-au-Prince Haiti Waiting Room, resident talk cast Domovoy. I did that wrong, didn't no, I? No, you did it fine. <laughs> oh, cool. Holy crap. It's Awake by Java. Just because I haven't shaved in a couple of days. <laughs> it, it, couldn't, it, it couldn't have been the wolf guy. You know, what, what's his face? Dyson. No, it Dyson. couldn't have been. I'm not, Dyson. I'm. I got to be the short, it's fat little guy that cleans up. It's not characters. It's species, and they can be light or dark. Uh, not every, whatever you are, is dark. Dude, if if you were, <laughs> if you were more hairy, he'd call you Bark Kent. So don't worry oh! about it. Oh my god. Okay, on that bad pun, joining us tonight is writer, <laughs> filmmaker, musician, John Pelisano. John, welcome to the show. Hi, everybody. How's it going? Uh, well, you've been listening for five minutes. You tell us. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be going okay. <laughs> uh, okay, that's very scary that you're feeling comfortable with the way this is going. But we'll press on anyway. John's here to talk about his new book, Nerves, and uh, hopefully also talk about his uh, music and his time working with Ridley Scott and some of his movies. 
And uh, before we get to that, it's news of the week time. And as we normally start off the week, we need to talk about our Facebook poll at Redhead. Yes, we did our poll and we asked folks what city they would like Frankie Washington and James oh Biggie. James J James well. Biggie, thank you. And James Biggie's well. comic Robot God Akamatsu, if one of his their bad guys were going to destroy a city, which city they would like to have destroyed. And so we went through the third place. We had a, a ton of third placers. Very quickly, we went through <laughs> Ringe, New Hampshire, Bridgeport, Connecticut, Charlestown, Mass., New York City, Beverly Hills, and Tehran, whoever threw that in. Um, in second place is a city I think a lot of us can agree with, Hartford, Connecticut. I know I'd like to see it bombed off the map, but that's <laughs> I, I've been in accidents in Hartford. I've, I've, that's not a very nice place. Um, I learned to drive in Hartford. I win. I believe that. <laughs> I believe that. Right through Mega City One. There we go. But number one, the by city a by a landslide. The city everybody would like to see bombed. Holy crap. Or, or at least yeah. just leveled is Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not Where sure why. <laughs> get up. Everybody's going to move their feet. Get down. Everybody's going to leave their seat. So we're going to take the people who voted for Detroit, and we're going to have a random drawing, and that person is going to get some artwork and some other goodies from uh, from James Biggie and from Frankie B. Washington. They are. They are. And we'll so send them out. Mail for something from Sci-Fi Saturday Night. One of you people who picked Detroit. On that note, uh, what else we got going on this week, guys? Who wants to start off? Well, can I just say that my week started off really well because uh, I was sitting there, as I do on Sunday, watching the latest episode of Top Gear, which is not at all sci-fi related. <laughs> not, not in the slightest. Except for, well, except for maybe Jeff, Jeremy Clarkson's hair. And <laughs> who should... Who should appear on on Top Gear as a guest but Matt Smith? Cool. The doctor himself. And not only that, but he beat all of the other doctors in his lap. So he's the fastest doctor, once again proving that he is a worthy contender for the title of doctor. Oh, my goodness. I was going to say, um, some of the other guys have been on there before, right? Oh, yeah. All of them have been. Uh, Eccleston. And, uh, every, yeah. The tenant, all they've of all them? been. In, including. Well, no, no, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not the ones that Let's came before. Let's rephrase that. I was going to say, I could just see William Hartnell. <laughs> although, see how I use a spanner to tighten this bolt. Although, Driving the monster mobile around. I was going to um, say a horseless no, carriage. But all, <laughs> all, of the, uh, all of the reboot uh, doctors have been on. And Billy Piper's been on, too. So. Hello. Hello. Yeah, it was just it. It was really, it was really fun to see him outside of the the series and talking about the, uh, being the doctor, and so. Cool, cool. Hey, uh, speaking of television, um, does anybody recognize Inspector Space Time, Kriana? Yes. Inspector Space Time, tell us about Inspector Space so, Time. When Cougar Town was canceled on Community. Abed got really <laughs> depressed. And we all felt sad because Abed is all of our favorite character. And um, then 
I think it was Britta gave him another yes, show, it was. which only had six episodes, which may have been a Firefly parody, in which case he spiraled further into depression. To make up for this foible, Britta then introduced him to a show that's been running for, oh, you know, 50 years, called Inspector Space Time. And, you know, it starts with an inspector and his sidekick, and they defeat the Blogons considerably. Um, <laughs> and this has spawned a Hello, subculture God. of the internet, obviously, because such things do. And um, somebody went, went on to Kickstarter for funding to start a web series of Inspector Space Time. Unfortunately, they got legaled. Boy, did they get they legal. Major. By Sony and NBC. They got bitch slapped. And so now they are writing a web series about a man of law enforcement or some type of stature who has a machine which travels through space and also time. And time. Um, <laughs> with who may or may not be called Inspector Space Time. <laughs> wow. And this is one more example of how people who have money ruin everything. Here, here. The guy, the guy's name is Travis Ritchie, and he was a big. He's a big fan of Doctor Who and Community, and he was Inspector Spacetime. Yeah, on the series, he, on right? Community, he was on Community. And he's the one who wanted to do this web series because he pitched the show to NBC and and one other network. And they said, eh, are you serious? Why would we care? Given that and the fact that he's done two, uh, three other independent web series, uh, Robot Ninja and Gay Guy, Smiley Town, and Two Hot Guys in the Shower. <laughs> Which, by the way... Is- Wait, what? What? He's, done- he's, he's produced three independent... Web series all in one weekend in <laughs> L.A. <laughs> okay. But the one that blew me away was two hot guys in the shower, which is incredibly funny. But oh and he, my. he he really <laughs> wanted to do Inspector Space Time, but he didn't want to do it like he did the other ones. He wanted to actually spend some money on it to do it right because he really there was this whole subculture about Inspector Space Time. And he really wanted to do it right. And the minute the Kickstarter project went up, lawyers from Sony and NBC demanded that he cease production as Inspector Spacetime. Well, and it's understandable, right? Because Inspector Spacetime is protected from from legal action by the BBC because it's parody, right? And it's got many changes that are just off from Doctor Who. But... um, well, it would, uh, under the, the, the guise of, you know, the big guy taking a, a sledgehammer against an ant, sure. <laughs> but I guess. I, mean, I don't it's know. It's kind of ridiculous. Uh, but he, anyhow, he's going ahead with the project. He's cleaned it to make it non-legal threatening to both Sony and NBC. Uh, in the document, there's going to be links to the story, and to the Kickstarter uh, page. The project needs twenty grand. It's at twelve grand now, and it's got thirty days to go. Guys, 
this good. I, I think uh, what Java was trying I, to point out, though, is that the reason that he got legal slapped for this, when some people are like, oh, but it's parody, is that the NBC's version, yes, was a parody, but this was a straight-up copy of NBC's parody, so technically it's not a parody of a parody, it's just a copy. Right. It, yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's, and, and this he's is basically cap- trying to produce something that is intellectual property of NBC. Toward I mean, what end? Well, that doesn't well, matter. But, it doesn't you know, matter I, to I the wish lawyers. It did. No, it doesn't matter to the lawyers, exactly. And, th- and they're not, I mean, they're not trying to get any money out of him. They're just saying, hey, that's our thing. You can't do that thing. Which is legally ours. within their and rights. I so. doubt they would have cared if he hadn't yeah. started asking for they money to have, do it. Actually. Well, they may have, but... Yeah, one, one Once never you knows start where making money, inter- though, then people tend to go after you major hard. There you go. There's the clincher. True, true. That's right. But the reality was that the money was simply for production. They were not going to charge for uh, viewing. I know. Yeah, and, and you know, it wasn't... Um, I, I didn't see anything on the Kickstarter that indicated that it was like a um, it, it was a project for charity or anything else. No, that would have made it. It, it would have made, yeah, and it, so it didn't even have the you know the moral high ground in the in the argument with NBC where we're not trying to make money off of this. We're just trying to make it because we think it would be cool. I, I don't think there no, was even I mean, any like, argument like, really. I think the guy knew he had no leg to stand on and was just like. But as it is, the tr- the controversy has spurred him on to over half of his goal already in the first how many days of the Kickstarter project being up. He's uh, gonna make he's gonna yeah, make that make he's gonna make that, and the the controversy is what did sure. that for him. So, Streisand effect, anyone? <laughs> Free publicity. Oh yeah. Yeah, and and. Uh, you have to kind of wonder if free publicity isn't the same thing that's uh, surrounding Ghostbusters 3 as Bill Murray will not apparently be in it right now. Wow. Do you mean it might not be as good as Ghostbusters 2? Oh, boy. Here we go. You got a problem with Ghostbusters 2? Seriously? This is the guy who watched Smallville? <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. Have we just switched gears and now you're going to defend Ghostbusters 2? Oh, absolutely not. I'm just going to shit on Smallville. <laughs> what was wrong with Ghostbusters Yeah, it's really... All right, then. Nothing. No, it, was, it was incredible. Oh. So was Ghostbusters yeah. 1! Uh, of course it was lame. No, yes, it was. Oh, the they whole were thing. both lame, but we're they were talk- both lamely guys, awesome. First one is that classic. We're talking about 80s movies. Why? We're this talking about true. 80s movies. Yes, Th- you this children. Is the same, this is the same decade that produced uh, Super Mario Brothers and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, watch yourself because that alphabet insult game in Ninja Turtles got me through many car trips. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I just like to put Teddy and Ruxpin certain, and forth. certain guests may be on certain. Certain creators may be guests on the show. Not in the Teddy Ruxpin's. <laughs> no, no. Oh, there's a good guest. <laughs> yes, let's have Teddy Ruxpin himself on the show because he ate their souls. You know, te- you know one thing that Teddy Ruxpin hasn't been doing recently that that <laughs> oh, we probably God. ready for a segue. Uh, well, the Snuggle Bear. 
Well, no, they haven't been making celebrity appearances on on shows. Uh, that, of course, is not stopping the stars of the latest uh, um, Star Trek movie from guest starring on particular shows recently. I know you can't see me, but my hat is off to you for your fine segue skills tonight. We, we've, I mean, we've already seen... How many have we seen? We've already seen uh, Will Wheaton and also... Um, Brent Spiner on Big Bang Theory, but yep. but now they've landed, now, now it's the best. Now Hello. they've landed the man, Leonard Nimoy. Hi, John. Hello? Sorry, we lost you there. <laughs> hey, cool. They, they've landed the the big boy, Leonard Nimoy. Um, he's going to be on Big Bang. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, he's going to be in Big Bang with well. his voice and his DNA. And that's all I'm saying. No spoilers. I was going to say, because didn't he retire Isn't from he acting? Isn't he also guest starring on Glee with his DNA? Sue Sylvester pregnancy um. hashtag. I thought it's DNA. Oh! I was oh! going to say. Oh! And this is how rumors get started. Oh! <laughs> Someday, they will oh trace God. that rumor back, and it will have started here on Sci-Fi Yay! Saturday Night. And we will be I so proud. It was already on that Big was... Bang. Didn't he sign? Didn't he like breathe on a napkin for Sheldon or something? Well, he blew like, no, no, his no, no, nose no, wait, in wait, it. Wait. He wasn't was actually on though. Penny just got it for him. Right. right. And Sheldon well, freaked who out. Who wouldn't freak out? I know. <laughs> I know. I mean, the man was Galvatron, so I mean, you know, that's, yeah, know it's a big coup. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Here's the thing. I, I was really excited when I saw this because I didn't know about his official retirement or whatever. And um, and, and I was really excited because I was really hoping that he would um, be on as a musical guest. Oh, that would be great. And, <laughs> and would reprise his, his uh, video. Bilbo Baggins. Debut at, with nice. Bilbo Baggins because that oh. would be the best thing that ever happened in my life. I could I'll have not... you know that X has his album. I of course not. he does. <laughs> you I can do deny not. it all I you want, a... but we know the truth. We know the truth. Come on. No, no, no. I, I would be proud to say I own that. <laughs> well, I, I actually have the original vinyl of Shatner's Rocket Man, so... Sorry you know. about that. Is, that. is that the Transformed Man? Is that the album? Yes, it is. <laughs> See, he knows this. I know. Oh my like, god! I, I've got. I have um, Dweezil Zappa and Donny Osmond covering "Staying Alive." That's that's about as far as I can go. <laughs> hey, if you guys are going to say all this, I'm going to say that I'd like to send out an "I'm Sorry" memoriam to Davy Jones. Okay, I'm sad. Because I liked Davy Jones. He, it has nothing to. Well, they were a comic book related because they did play superheroes in one episode I'm of sorry, the movie. Who's he, that? He has. It's okay, dear. Okay. Don't worry about it. He was Way the singer for the, your time. He was the singer for the monkeys. He has taken the last train to Clarksville. Oh. Hey, oh. hey. He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, you're dead. Wow. Fun times. I hope someone says that about me when I die. Spinning you're dead. Yeah. Yeah. I well, did. hopefully they'll be as passionate about you as Brad Pitt was about War of the Gargantuas this past Sunday at the Oscars. Uh, <laughs> instead of wow. Top Gear, yeah. I was the Oscars? I was actually yeah. watching. 
I yes. was actually watching the Oscars, and uh, they're talking of asking everybody, "What was the first movie you ever saw?" And Brad Pitt's going on about there are these gargantuas, and I'm like, "Holy crap!" Or the Gargantuas, Toho, 1967, starring Russ Tamblin. That <laughs> created that hit. So oh, thank you, man. Toho uh, Studios, who gave us Godzilla and the film career of Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. <laughs> hey, could have been worse. Yeah, yeah. Could have been Tom Cruise. Hey, uh... <laughs> hey, could have been what's his face, Mel Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> Think your lucky stars. Uh, it was Brad Pitt. <laughs> there's a web series called The Daily Show. Uh, it's not the John Stewart one. This is Tim Daly, uh, the actor, and uh, Tim Daly has is on private practice. He's an actor, but he's also a voice actor. And for the past several years, he's been the voice of Superman in all of the uh, animated uh, DC oh, movies. Yeah. Okay. And I happened to catch this uh, latest edition of The Daily Show where it, it's Tim Daly and his son, whose name escapes me at the moment, Little Daly. And <laughs> <laughs> Little okay. Daly calls Nathan Fillion because Dad is acting strange wearing oh, his okay. superman costume and being Did a superhero <laughs> so the son calls nathan and nathan goes look i know what this is like i was green lantern i get it i'll talk to him whatever you do don't come into the room and he hears all this noise, and he opens the door, and I'm going to leave it at that, no spoilers. But what the kid sees when he opens the door is just possibly the funniest five minutes I have ever seen in my life. I mean, Nathan Fillion is probably one of the funniest comic actors okay, ever. Okay, okay, this okay. Is now a- we got to all go watch it, but later. That's Speaking right. of the Daily Show, but the real Daily Show... Um, John Stewart Uh recently had very smart man Neil deGrasse Tyson on his show, who pointed out something very interesting as far as science fact goes to John Stewart, which is in in the beginning of the Daily Show, there's a big spinning globe. His Earth spins the wrong way. (laughs) Schooled, John Stewart. Schooled. Nice. By Neil deGrasse Tyson on your own show. Oh, you know what this... Oh, the Republicans are going to jump all over that going, see, 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 the Daily Show is Bizarro World. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you should definitely watch the Colbert Report instead. I hear his super pack is doing great. You know what, this whole, whole, uh, you know, posturing thing is nice, but it, it all leads back to a new movie which is coming out, which completely blows all of these, this, this, you know, absurd posturing out of the water. It's called, it's called Cowboy Ninja Viking. Hello. <laughs> Hello. And the great thing about this movie is that the main character has multiple personality disorder. And the multiple personalities are those of a cowboy, a ninja, and a viking. Nice. Which means nice. that 
it's not just it's not a combination where they kind of detract from each other. No, it's a full cat. It's three people. I can't express how awesome this movie is. <laughs> and not only or? not only that, but it's it's uh, being made by Mark Forrester or Forster, who it, who is the guy who made World War Z. Right. So I mean, it's it's possible that, and not only that, it's being written by Rhett Reese and Paul Wenick, who did Zombieland. Oh. I I just I no, I just I'm, I'm just I I'm kind of I'm kind of in love. I think. <laughs> I don't think that I could be more excited. Sorry, about ladies, it. he's it's, now it's, taken. Uh, it's not that the turkey's done. That's that's genuine excitement there on your chest. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Um, yeah, not even going there. Yeah. Um, Moving right along. Yeah, I want, <laughs> you know, in, in the 60s, I used to watch a show called Laughing. Yay! And Laughing would give the. Yes. Kriana? In, in post, can you dub in like a fiddle or the, the Civil War soundtrack for this part? <laughs> oh. Shut up! And every once in a while, Dan Rowan and Dick Martin would give the Fickle Finger of Fate Award to some deserving son of a bitch who'd done something incredibly (laughs) stupid. And I would like to somehow find a way to reinvigorate this award by this week just giving the finger to PayPal. Oh. Um, Would you like to explain uh, it? Uh, their dome, or well, PayPal a principle. Is, is telling ebook distributors that they will not be able to use PayPal if they have sexually taboo titles. Oh, oh. and this is censorship of the so, internet yeah. at, so, at a uh, very, very basic level. It'll it'll have to be war and peace, then, not invasion of the schlongeloids. I like Invasion of the Schlongeloids. Thank you very much. Well, we can't have it on PayPal, can we? No. And I am just annoyed that writers who have a tough enough time marketing, especially niche writers, especially sexually taboo writers, and who's to say what that is? Who makes that decision? PayPal? Screw you, buddies. No way. So mm-hmm. I am now saying, PayPal, here's the finger. We're done. Do you Can use PayPal often, Dome? I use it occasionally when nothing else is available. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, will, I will attempt to never use it again, quite frankly, until they uh, decide not to be the arbiters of all that is good and clean on the Internet. Having said that, we uh, we at Sci-Fi Saturday Night wish PayPal would uh, ho- fully and wholly endorse any guests that uh, have been, are currently, or may be in the future guests on our show. Um, I just I just think it's strange. I think it's strange that they see this as their their issue. Exactly. Like, I mean, I don't I don't really understand why they think that it's their job to police this. I mean, I'm sure that there's someone somewhere who 
you know, for some reason might actually be the person who could make that decision. But PayPal doesn't. PayPal is just a transaction. That would be like a credit card company saying, um, right. you know, you can't buy this massively large butt plug because it's inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> no. The no. only thing I can think it's of is that it's going to show uh, up. The only thing I can think of is going to show up on on your PayPal receipt. And if the book is called something like Blowjob, you'll show up as, you know, John Smith paid $20 for Blowjob. Okay. That starts to look bad. What well what's Just, your point? Oh, I'm, so so it so PayPal is concerned that people's uh, transaction history on PayPal is going to look like they've gotten a bunch of sexual favors. Right, it's going to look like they're using <laughs> PayPal to pay for prostitutes. Well, I could understand that, but what's PayPal's problem? They take a cut off the top. It doesn't. It's like they're a pimp. PayPal yeah. is a pimp. It's true. They are. <laughs> Come on. Come on. I'm just saying that's Come the on, only PayPal. logical thing I can think of in this PayPal. whole thing. PayPal haters gonna hate. You keep pimping. <laughs> I just think nobody has the right to play censor, especially a transaction corporation, and yeah, that's right. all that they are. Yeah, that's, that's really weird. What was that, John? They're owned by eBay, which is curious. It's actually right. not that weird, and right. that's what's scary. It's been happening quite a bit lately, where they've just decided they don't like people, or you know that they might sort of be involved in some legal action if they keep taking payments for this person, and they're under no legal obligation to take payments for anyone if they don't want to. But um, they. Hmm. And you know, you know what's really what really bugs me is that is that here it is, here's PayPal shutting down, you know, authors for doing their thing, and there here's here's George Lucas, who is telling so, you that you can't have an inflatable emperor's throne. Uh, wow, that I'm was sorry. a beautiful that, segue. Uh, that was God, beautiful. That, that, that was a thing of beauty. I'm sorry, George Lucas, but if I can't have a you know, a, a lightsaber flashlight. Then, what the heck is happening What's the point to of America? <laughs> I mean, me personally, Han Solo, carbonite pudding pops. I'm pretty sure they make those now, <laughs> though. I don't. It's it's on the list. Well, no, they have the chocolate. Don't they, they have, have the like some ice bars. cube trays or something? You could use those. Well, wait a minute. No. I think they have the ice cube trays, too. You're right. Wait, wait a minute, because when I had dinner with Christy uh, Peterson Schoonover, she had said that she got the chocolate bar, the carbonite chocolate bar. Ooh. Right. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, but, but where's my Yoda pencil sharpener? <laughs> <laughs> Where is hey, my land speeder like... koozie that floats in the pool? Wait, guys. I don't have a pool. I don't have a pool, about. but... I don't have a pool. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, George Lucas, or th there was, uh, as in any industry, there are tons and tons of ideas out there for ways to market and sell products for yep. whatever. Um, actually, one of the greatest things that I've seen is a Lorex branded uh, uh, chainsaw. I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> Um, Are you serious? Oh wow. That's so but, wrong. But, That's the but, best. <laughs> but uh, some, of the really some of the greatest uh, toy ideas for Star Wars merchandise have been rejected. And there's a guy who came out a couple of years ago with 
a uh, a rejected a, a list of rejected Star Wars toys, and um, he came up with a few more recently, and so we we've got a list of them. Go check them out because I think that we should petition for you know that's that Han Solo mini fridge. Oh, that's the sun just, shield. I yeah. love the mini fridge. The, the mini fridge and the pencil so cool. sharpener. I really the, like the, 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 the and it's sharp. possible that Think Geek would take these ideas if they could get the licensing because. They did that April Fool's post about the Tauntaun sleeping bag, and so many people wrote to them and said, I would actually buy that if you made it, that they actually made it. it. Yeah, Yeah. I totally would buy it. Are you kidding me? You know who needs to talk to uh, Lucas about this is Gene Simmons, because, you know, (laughs) (laughs) when you consider that there are actual Kiss coffins, and the Kiss coffin doubles as a a cooler, you can fill it with ice. Yep. I mean, there's a man who's like, look, it's all about the merchandising. <laughs> I know, George, oh, totally. you think nobody could talk to you about merchandising. I'm telling you. <laughs> you can merchandise more stuff. I, I will buy anything just because it has Star Wars on it. <laughs> I, I will. <laughs> really? I mean, good to know because I they, have a gift for you when you come for Comic-Con now. <laughs> they, wow. I'm going to write the word Star Wars on the Enterprise and give it to <laughs> Oh, Don't wow. cross the street. <laughs> basically, basically, I have an entire credit card dedicated to George Lucas. <laughs> it's like it's like a five thousand dollar limit, and I've just said, you know what? Screw it. Just take it. Take it all. That sounds like my Harley Quinn obsession. You're you're doing well there, young Jedi. <laughs> Actually, I, I I read an interesting article that had an alternate way to watch the movies. And it starts off with four and then five, but then it takes you back to two and three. <laughs> so that basically what, what you see in between the, uh, the uh, four and five and then six is an extended flashback. And you never have to see Jar Jar Binks. Wow. <laughs> it's kind of like what they did with The Godfather. I mean- yeah. Yeah, it, it, it exactly is. And, and I think I'm going to get some, some friends together and try it because what he said was it really works because you get to see more about Luke's father and how he came to be that way. But at the end of the movie, he, he was asking these people who had never seen um, the show before or, or the, the movies before what they thought. And he, he was asking, you know, do you hate um, Jar Jar Binks? And they were like, Jar Jar who? And they were, they were, uh, the whole, he just eliminated Phantom, Phantom Menace because he said it was a complete waste of time. All right, um, wait. Playing devil's it, advocate, it this audience that has never seen Star Wars before, first of all, they had to teach him English. <laughs> and then they had to explain the concept that there is life outside the Amazon basin. <laughs> and that the camera does not actually steal your soul. Soul, right. <laughs> Are we being racist right now? I don't think so, no. I, at least I hope we're not. We but it, it, if we're close to that, then maybe it's time to bring our guest in. <laughs> it is that time. It absolutely cool. is. Our guest tonight is John Palisano. He is a musician, a filmmaker, and horror writer. He's formerly an intern with Ridley Scott. And owes it all to that first viewing of Night of the Living Dead. John, welcome to the show. Hi, how's it going? <laughs> um, we're 
kind of in a weird mood tonight. <laughs> yeah, it's been really fun listening to all this stuff. <laughs> really cool Star Wars stuff. Yeah, I saw the uh, the Tauntaun sleeping bag, and I really wanted it. <laughs> I, I didn't know it was real. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> that was one of those Think Geek uh, joke gifts for April Fools that actually got made because everybody wanted it. That's awesome that they went through with it. I love it. <laughs> so, John, let's yeah. talk about how you got started by watching Night of the Living Dead. Yay. Yeah. Um, well... I was, a, I was a young kid, and up until I saw that movie, my life was like, you know, Pete's Dragon and Star Wars and oh Grease, you know, <laughs> and um, everything was great, and life was great, and then one night, my father sat me up on his belly, he said, oh, let's watch this, this is going to be great, and it was kind of slow, you know, it was kind of a slow movie, I thought it was interesting, and these vampiric things were running around. I was like, wow, this is pretty creepy and scary. And then the ending happened. And he was actually trapped in the house and he was about to escape. And I'm like, great, everything worked out. No more zombies. The good guys have come. The cavalry has come. And they shot him. Spoiler <laughs> alert! Like, oh, please, come on! <laughs> spoiler alert. Oh, poor Dwayne Jones. I'm sorry. <laughs> you haven't seen it already. Um, but it really, like, blew my mind. And then later that summer, I saw Jaws and Alien. And the movies became scary. And I was scared, but I liked it. You know, I liked the darkness. I liked that there was this whole different uh, path to storytelling that I hadn't seen before. And it really intrigued me. And uh, I saw a copy of Stephen King's Night Shift, in the local Walden books, the one with the, the, the hand with the bandages and the eyeballs coming out. And I was like, what is that? I need this. <laughs> <laughs> and I read it in a couple of days, and I was like, that's it. This is what I have to do. I've got to, like, make horror and fiction and, and fantasy, fantasy work. This is unbelievable. There's so much imagination. It's so cool. <laughs> And that's where it began. I started writing stories and making films in my backyard and putting raw liquid latex on my friends and <laughs> running around after school with everybody and uh, shooting films. So uh, how did I you... wrote a... Go ahead. Go ahead. It turned out there was a train that had this alien on it. and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> how did you move from that to go into college and ending up as an intern for Ridley Scott. And what the hell was that like? That had to be the coolest Oh, thing I want to hear about that. <laughs> okay. Um, well, um, I, I had been making my own little short films for years. And, you know, I put out my own, you know, horror science fiction fantasy review magazine, fanzine, that I was Xeroxing when I was a kid. And... Um, I decided I would go to college up in Boston and really kind of learn how to do it. My father, you know, urged me to move into a more professional direction. And I went to school and I made a lot of movies. Um, and I, I wrote a lot of screenplays and, and short films. I actually won the uh, screenwriting 
the biggest screenwriting award of my last year of school, and it was a, a science fiction short that was called He'd Hoped for Mars, and it was about a guy who had, who was an astronaut from the future that had returned to Earth from Mars and had to convince one person that he wasn't lying in order to come back. And uh, that did really well, and actually I had... Uh, Berkeley College of Music, uh, a composer there, scored it with a full orchestra. It was nice. this massive, yeah, it was this massive undertaking. My producer was unbelievable, um, the amount of resources we had for that thing. And um, when it was time to graduate school, they, they give you an internship to kind of get you started in the real world of whatever career you're going for. And, you know, I applied uh, from my favorite director, who is uh, Ridley Scott. I sent him my movie, and I sent him a passionate letter, and I, I heard from one of his assistants, and they said, yeah, when you get out of L.A., um, you know, you'll start working with us. And I was like, wow, okay. I was like, cool, this is amazing. So I, I, I graduated college, I believe, on a Tuesday, and the following Monday I, I was in Beverly Hills walking up to Ridley Scott's um, beautiful offices in Beverly Hills. Um, it's, you know, everything you would expect it to be, you know, raw iron and beautiful and everything's immaculate and uh, just state-of-the-art. Everything in there was just gorgeous, and they were, they were amazing to work with. One of the first things I did was um, he was actually working on his version of what was going to be I Am Legend at the time uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, that's right. Who was supposed to star. And, was that uh, one like of the 1990? Was, it, was, it was 1998. Mm. And okay. we were we were organizing the storyboards and gathering the art and putting all the art together and making pitches and um, and in amongst this, uh, Ridley at the time hadn't had a hit in years. So what he he's brilliant. Um, he has he started off as a commercial director, so his commercial and music video divisions were going strong. So a couple of days a week, I would go work on music videos and uh, commercials with some of his other directors there. And then we would come back to the offices and work on features. Um, and I Dude, that must have really sucked. sucked. <laughs> oh, horrible. It was horrible. It was, you know, I was stapling papers and staring at the wall all day. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I imagine it, it didn't go forward um, because it was too expensive and, and the studios didn't want to gamble on Ridley because he hadn't had a hit. And uh, thankfully, a DreamWorks came in and they said, you know what, you're Ridley Scott, you gave us, you know, you, you turned Gina Davis into a, a viable actress, you gave us Sigourney <laughs> Weaver, well, she was a comedian up until that point, and she did Thelma and Louise, and they were like, you know, wow, you got a performance out of her we've never seen before, you know, and they said, what do you want to do next, and he said, well, I have a Gladiator movie, <laughs> with this unknown guy I wanted to star, Russell Crowe, and they were like, oh, God, okay, go for it. <laughs> and that was Gladiator. Um, Which was and, a fabulous movie. It was, and it was actually his first hit. And it was, it was the movie that made him the most money up until that point. So his, he was up and running, and um, I got a job after that working on um, End of Days with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, as the director's personal assistant, uh, and my my career was up up and running, working in in Hollywood at that point. <laughs> wow. 
So that's well, I, that's I can really see I can see where this arc is leading you. You know, you will go from Ridley Scott to Arnold Schwarzenegger to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Perfect uh, <laughs> <laughs> sense. All roads lead to Rome. You you have reached yeah, the top. True. <laughs> Wait, does that well, mean that we're Rome? Because uh, I think I smell smoke. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna say, be careful of the lead in the water. Uh, but go ahead, Java. We're just fiddling. Oh, oh. <laughs> let so me grab there, my ukulele. There you go. <laughs> Vesuvius? No, thanks. I'm trying to cut down. Um, uh. So at that point, you're working in the movies, and you're also a musician at the same time. Yeah, a musician and a writer all throughout this. Um. Yeah, well, you know, being being in the movies, you're you're slave to everybody else's needs but your own. And um, being a writer, you are very often isolated by yourself. And you know, I have a whole other side of myself that likes to just get out and you know be very physical and meet people. And um, you know, the playing in bands really scratches that itch. <laughs> you know, it's it's a, it's a lot of fun, and it's kind of like. For me, some guys go fishing and some guys go hunting. For me, I go play in a rock band. You know, uh, Makes we sense. go and we play. Yeah, we go and we play in these sweaty bars and we play half covers and half originals for a couple of hours every every couple of weeks, and it's great. And it's like free exercise. <laughs> Was it one of those bands where every once in a while rocks a uh, a famous person drops in, John? Or? Um. The, the most famous person we had uh, was Andy Dick came to one of our rehearsals and hang out with us for a while. <laughs> wow, that's kind of random. <laughs> it was really weird. Uh, the drummer, I, I went to pick him up. at he, He's a bartender, and Andy Dick was hanging out, and we were, we were all kind of talking, and we were like, we got to go to band rehearsal. Andy Dick's like, oh, can I come? And we're like, okay. <laughs> so he came down and hung out with us for a couple of hours, and... Um, proceeded to um, maybe I shouldn't say this, but he he, he drank a little bit too much. <laughs> Hard to believe. That's yeah, we've right. <laughs> never heard that about it, but <laughs> and um, it was it was a really trippy evening. I'm like we're like playing ACDC songs, and Andy Dick's sitting on our couch, like rocking his head back and forth, and we're like, well, this is really <laughs> weird. <laughs> One of the weirdest you know celebrity encounters I've ever had. <laughs> So you're, you're making... It was, it was Andy Dick. I mean, what else did you expect? Really? What else did you expect to do? Literally. Yeah. yeah. He, he was, you know, at the end of the night, you know, when he was coming down, he was actually very sweet and very soft-spoken and nice to everybody, which was, you know, I didn't really know too, too much about him before, before that night. I had heard of him and knew of his reputation, but I didn't really know... Um, what he'd done, and I googled him and saw some of his things. And my favorite thing is he was one of the. Uh, he did a parody on one of the MTV awards as one of the Star Wars characters from Phantom Menace, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> so. And you use some of your own music to uh, score some of your short movies, haven't you? Have I scored some of them? Yeah. Yeah, I I, I have done a little bit of scoring when when um when appropriate. <laughs> What's that? You know, like? uh, you know, it's pretty cool because um, I like I like to create the short films where it's all coming as much from one person as possible. 
so that it's kind of more artistic statement than a, you know, trying to ape the Hollywood system. And sometimes, you know, with some of the films, I've had a musical riff that, you know, kind of inspired the film. So it's neat to see it all come together um, all in one place. So your short movies have ended up being more uh, internal than collaborative. Yeah, for the most part, the newer ones. And and that's on purpose because I I work so much in the Hollywood system, and um, it's such a it's such a collaborative and non personal kind of way to create something that I was yearning for another way to express things that wasn't like that. <laughs> so I, I've gotten very experimental with some of the films, um, which is which has been fun. And and the cheapest movies I've made have played the most festivals, which I think is crazy. <laughs> um, I shot a movie on my iPhone to see if I could do it and edited it and did all the music and everything right on the Mac and it's been in probably seven seven or eight festivals now nice wow. nice yeah. and I'm like I'm like the, the, the feature films that I made and went out and got money for and spent months making and stuff played one festival got minimal distribution and kind of sizzled <laughs> It's, it's weird. So what, how do you make this transition now from working within the Hollywood system where a writer does something, then somebody else plays with it, then somebody else plays with it, and what original storyline there was, what original story was done by that original writer may have no bearing with the final product to sitting down and becoming a prose writer. Ah, that's a great question. Well, I've always, I've always loved. Wait, wait, wait! Before, before you answer that, I okay. want the rest of the cast to hear that was a great question. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I get all kinds good, of yeah. shit for my interviewing skills. That was a great question. Go ahead, John. Oh, it was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, well. When you write a screenplay, you nailed it. Yeah, it often goes through so many changes. And I've learned to compartmentalize my brain and my emotions. Like when I do screenwriting, I don't put a lot of faith that it's going to be seen as I intended. I kind of, that's a whole different part of my brain. And after being disappointed so many times in optioning scripts and working on scripts and seeing, you know, 0% of what I fought up, being put into the movie, um, I returned to novel writing um, for that reason also because some of the ideas I had I knew would never get funded. I mean, if you take Nerves, for example, I mean, it's set all over the world. Guys are shooting nerves out of their fingers, you know, 20 feet across the room. Um, people are climbing ladders made of pieces of the sea up into the sky. And I was thinking of this going, no one's ever going to fund this damn thing. <laughs> you know, this is going to be a $300 million movie. And I thought, well, if I write a book, I don't have to worry about budgets. I don't have to worry about having a huge cast. And I can, it can be my story. That's right. And, you know, I don't have to worry like, oh, well, I got I to gotta cut that scene because we don't have enough budget. You know, where else can we put that scene that's going to be cheaper? You know, those are the kinds of conversations you have in screenwriting and in Hollywood. And um, 
I don't have to explain to anybody why my book is starting in Tunisia. And can we actually start that in L.A. instead? Can Pasadena work instead of Tunisia? It's the same scene. (laughs) And those those are the actual conversations that happen, too. And it's got to be soul-crushing from time to time. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's... It's, it's really rough on your psyche, you know, when, when you first go through that the first couple of times. And even if you have great justifications, and often they'll, they'll kill a movie over something like that. It's just too much work to reimagine all the different scenes. And they just say, you know what, let's just move on to something that's cheaper to make. We love the idea, but it's cheaper to do, you know, let's just do zombies again. Is it, isn't, isn't there a blacklist in Hollywood, a kind of an unofficial list of these incredible great scripts that have just been passed over for one reason or another? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there, there definitely is. Um, they're, they're traded around, and, and people read them, and there's some really good stuff. But you can see from a production standpoint why they, they haven't been made. You know, just like nerves, they may have tons of locations or too many characters or not have a clear, direct story. Um, well, there's, no, there's no part for Jaden Smith. Yeah, oh. exactly. Exactly. Oh, my God. And that so drives the Hollywood system. When, when Ridley couldn't make I Am Legend, Arnold was looking around and said, oh, we're not making I Am Legend. What else do we have that's horror that we have options? And they gave him a couple. They gave him a couple of scripts that were around. He goes, "Oh, let's do this one. I like this one. End of days. That's cool. I remember that. Yeah, me versus the devil. Let's do that." And within, you know, a couple of days, there was a green light for it because Arnold was attached. Right. It's, it's right. unbelievable. It had nothing to do with the quality of the script or anything. I don't even think. Um, I don't even think it was really read again. <laughs> I think they were just like, "Let's just. We have a window to make a movie with you. Let's do it." <laughs> Uh, so I mean, wait. There, there's no artistic value to that at all, and it's like no. There, there's there's the hook. Let's run with it. Yeah. Well, let's talk yeah. about nerves. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Let's do that. Yeah. So yeah, tell um, us. Yeah. Um. Should, should I? The, the pitch of the to the book to the viewers is do the pitch. Two yeah, brothers. absolutely. Okay. Um. There's two brothers. One, one brother can give life to dead things, and another brother can bring death from his very presence. And they are estranged, and what reunites them is the being that gave them those powers is now calling on them to use those powers for his own good, and he is holding capture of his mother. So they have to find a way to bridge themselves together go after this creature and save their family and themselves from this evil being named Ogum that's his curse. That's nerves in a nutshell. <laughs> nice. Okay, so where did this inception come from for you? What was what was the thing, what was the spark for you that that brought this uh, this story together? Um, I had a I had a vision in my head of a guy sitting at a table and somebody walking in the room, and he lifts his hand, and the nerves shoot out of his fingers and go into the guy and tear him to shreds. Yeah. 
And I thought, well, I haven't seen that before. How can I develop this? Where did they come from? How did this happen? Um, and then I thought, this makes absolutely no biological sense, but it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, just being two or three pages in, first thing I'm thinking is, this is a live-action anime. <laughs> cool. Wow, I didn't think of that at all. But you're right, it is, actually. You know, I can just see the, you know, right off, you know, how do I describe it there? You've got, yeah, the nerve shooting out of a hand. I'm like, God, I can just see this being on some, you know, late night anime thing. And then just when it can't get any better, you're throwing dead monkeys off of buildings. <laughs> you know. Spoiler alert! Spoiler <laughs> alert, for God's sake! Oh, the monkey gets it easy. Wait till the end of the book. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So that's a great that that's a great idea. I would I would love to see an anime. Um, yeah, I mean it would be really a really cool anime. Um, probably be a better anime be than a film. Three hundred million dollar budget. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. True. True. <laughs> But in anime, they could definitely do it and probably do a really great job of it. When's Nerves coming out? Um, Nerves was just released uh, yesterday. Hello. Um, it, st it, it started hey. shipping, so um, we had perfect timing here. The pre-orders have been going for two weeks and, or, or three weeks. And, uh, it's, now, it's now out, so it should be out right now. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, where can we, and, okay, and where can we order this? Um, you can go to my website, johnpalisano.com. It's got all the links. Or you can go to uh, badmoonbooks.com is the publisher. You can order directly through them. Um, I know it's going to be hitting a lot of indie uh, bookstores are going to be carrying it soon. Um, you know, the publisher is working to get it into a lot of the uh, indie bookstores. You can order it through Barnes & Noble. If you go into Barnes & Noble or the website, you can order it there as well. And we will have links up to both John's website and Bad Moon Books. Check it out. Hey, X, you know what that and means, don't you? I know that sound. John, stick around. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. it's the coming up calendar. Okay. We have many guests coming up in the coming weeks, but definitely confirmed for March 29th. The Hills Have Eyes for actress Laura Ortiz as she previews her upcoming Fearnet original series, Holliston. Zipoffinchemicals.com for the best Hills original art. Dozens of your artists. Night out provided by the traffic lights. Pick up their CD, Hold a Folk, at robwattsonline.com. Film? I want to thank our guest, writer, musician, filmmaker, and kind of neat guy, John Palisano, for joining us tonight. The book is Nerves. From the Revere Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana and Grammar Girl Zombrarian. Thank you, ladies, for all See that you, you later. do. Night. Bye, everybody. From the Four Color Vault of Comics, great thanks to Illustrator X and the Dead Redhead. Electric Sheep 2, Electric Boogaloo. I'm not even going to try to follow that one. That would be a great idea. From Outpost Gallifrey, thank you, Java. 
I guess I better go clean something. This is Dome saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. Bye. I know.